1: Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply.
2: Good evening and thank you for joining us. The U.S. is now headed toward a wartime footing in the fight against the pandemic. With hospitals overrun by sick patients tonight, President Trump is calling up reserve military units to join the effort to expand hospital capacity. And he is invoking the Defense Production Act for the first time forcing General Motors to make urgently needed ventilators, just hours after he suggested the country had had enough of them. Later today, Congress passed, and the president signed that $2 trillion relief law designed to help American business and workers who have lost their jobs. And as we come on the air, confirmed cases of the coronavirus in the U.S. now top 100,000. That's the most in the world. Nearly 1,500 Americans have died an increase of more than 340 in just a day. Tonight, Miami is imposing an overnight curfew, and Utah, Montana, and North Carolina are issuing stay-at-home orders. That means that nearly half of all states are now telling Americans not to leave their homes. There's a lot to cover tonight, and we're going to begin tonight at the White House with Paula Reed. And Paula, that relief bill passed with bipartisan support, but you wouldn't know it from who was invited to the signing.
3: You certainly would not because the president did not extend an invitation to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi or other Democrats. It's the latest snub in a long running feud between the top Democrat and President Trump. The president heralded the $2 trillion bill as a lifeline for the ailing economy.
4: This will deliver urgently needed relief to our nation's families, workers, and businesses. The motion is adopted.
3: The House passed the bill earlier today with bipartisan support as lawmakers were seen social distancing on the House floor and wiping down microphones and chairs. This bill is not perfect, no bill ever is, but it is the strong medicine we need to defeat this invisible enemy.
4: This is a 9-11 moment. A time to put partisan differences aside.
3: The law provides billions in loans and grants to small and large businesses. A new poll shows a third of Americans say they or a family member has been laid off. The government will send checks to most individuals of up to $1,200, double for couples and an additional $500 for each child. The government says the IRS could deposit the payments directly in bank accounts within three weeks, but some taxpayers may not get their checks for as long as four months.
4: Maybe they'll change their tune, but uh, we didn't want to play games with them.
3: Also today, the president invoked the Defense Production Act to require General Motors to make ventilators, saying in a statement that the automaker was wasting time. Earlier, GM said it had reached a deal with Ventec Life Systems to build ventilators at a plant in Indiana. The president's demand comes after he downplayed the need for the life-saving medical equipment just last night. I
5: don't believe you need 40,000 or 30,000 ventilators.
3: At tonight's briefing, the president once again said that state governors who actually want aid to help fight this outbreak, that they need to treat him right. And if they don't, he won't call.
2: Nora. All right, Paula, thank you. New York is still the epicenter of the pandemic here in the United States. And new data from the University of Washington says the state is still almost two weeks from its peak. Mulla Lenghi is in New York City. And Mola, for doctors there, it feels like there's no end in sight.
6: That's right, Nora. We're at the Javits Center here in New York City, where the National Guard has spent the better half of the week converting this convention center into a hospital. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo insists this place will save lives. Now, we just received a letter from the chief of surgery at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital here in the city, and it says, and I quote, the enemy is inside the wire, and we have to accept there is nowhere to hide. Every day, New York's COVID-19 cases rise, and so does the desperation for somewhere to put the sickest. At least 1,000 beds are also being prepared at the city's largest convention center, where we asked Governor Cuomo about the dire conditions. Hospitals obviously struggling in this state. Um, Doctors, nurses jumping on social media, trying to raise the red flag. It is a grim picture, and it is going to get more grim. The state has just over 1 million N95 masks. They need 20 million. Exam gloves, only 1.5 million stockpiled. They need 45 million. And ventilators. New York has 3,000. The governor says they desperately need 30,000. New York's death toll now skyrocketing to more than 500 people, one of them Caius Kelly, a nurse at Mount Sinai Hospital. We spoke with his sister
2: he was as well as everyone else they're unnecessarily exposed and essentially it could have been prevented
6: the urgency across the country is bordering on desperation this from a nurse yes, in atlanta
2: call us
3: heroes but you know we have families too and all the nurses are so scared i mean i want to be scared
6: in Boston, more than 200 healthcare workers are now infected with coronavirus. A cruise ship off the coast of Panama carrying two confirmed COVID-19 positive passengers is trying to get to Fort Lauderdale next week. Four people have died on board. In Los Angeles, the floating naval hospital Mercy arrived with 1,000 hospital beds. With the U.S. now surpassing China in infections, New Yorkers like David Bowie now recovering are becoming the face of coronavirus. I'm a 42-year-old man, but I was crying in my room. It was very lonely. Well, this convention center-turned-hospital is expected to start taking patients in the next couple of days. Now, we've talked a lot about Americans stepping up to the challenge to help. Here in the state of New York alone, in just 24 hours, 10,000 people with medical experience have stepped up to volunteer, bringing New York's total, New York alone, to more than 62,000 people stepping up to volunteer, Nora.
2: So we're saying we're all in this together. It's incredible, Mola. Thank you. The U.S. Surgeon General tells CBS News that New Orleans, Chicago, and Detroit are likely to see conditions worsen next week. The National Guard could be called in to set up hospitals in Illinois and Michigan. And tonight, there's new evidence that doctors are preparing to make tough decisions about who gets life-saving treatment. Here's Dean Reynolds.
4: At the Michigan State Fairgrounds in Detroit, tents for drive-up testing opened today amid word that the week ahead could turn Motor City into a hot spot. At the Henry Ford Health System, a worst-case scenario was circulated to doctors of relegating the dying to comfort care because keeping them alive would take away resources for patients who might survive.
2: If we reach this worst-case scenario, our overall goal is to reduce mortality as much as possible and provide our limited resources to all of those patients that we think have the best chance of surviving.
4: Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan said every major hospital system is having exactly the same conversations internally. Today, it was announced the city's chief of police has tested positive. The president has suggested the need for ventilators may be exaggerated. But in Illinois, Governor J.B. Pritzker took strong issue. At worst, the comments are deadly. In Chicago, another predicted hot spot. MICHAEL Bain IS HOSPITALIZED WITH THE CORONAVIRUS AND worry.
5: Yeah, it WAS MOVED TO THE ICU LAST NIGHT. Yeah,
4: WHEN HE AWOKE yeah, no, THIS MORNING, HE no SAID THE NUMBER OF PATIENTS ON HIS FLOOR day. HAD DOUBLED. TO SAY THAT THE THOUGHTS OF DYING HADN'T CROSSED MY MIND WOULDN'T BE TRUE ANYMORE. DEAN REYNOLDS, CBS NEWS, CHICAGO.
2: A POWERFUL IMAGE TODAY FROM THE VATICAN, WHERE POPE FRANCIS GAVE A SPECIAL BLESSING IN AN EMPTY ST. PETER'S SQUARE. Was in the rain and he prayed for the end of the coronavirus pandemic. The virus has claimed nearly a thousand lives in Italy in the past 24 hours. Tonight, CBS News correspondent Chris Livesay has an exclusive look inside the ICU unit, ICU unit rather, at a hospital in northern Italy. Uh-uh.
7: Gasping for every breath, these patients are in the advanced stages of COVID-19. Ventilators are keeping them alive. But with barely enough of them to go around, this desperate hospital is trying something new. You can turn a scuba mask into a ventilator?
2: Yes. We started yesterday.
7: Doctors are using a 3D printer to modify the mask so they connect to oxygen. It's a quick fix Dr. Francesco Minardi likens to wartime triage. CBS News was given rare access inside the hospital's ICU. Before entering, we suited up in our protective gear. COVID-19 doesn't just kill people. It can kill hospitals as well. And right now, this hospital is fighting for its life. Killed in action so far, more than 40 doctors. Sandra Rossi, the head of this ICU, says one of the fallen here was a doctor and a friend. Can you tell us anything about your colleague who died?
0: It was fantastic, and we we, we are still crying. So
7: Rossi has a message for her fellow doctors in the U.S.
0: Hurry up. Hurry up.
7: Is the United States ready for the COVID-19 outbreak?
0: If I have to be honest,
2: uh, no.
7: Christopher Livesay, CBS News, Parma.
2: Tonight, doctors are hopeful that a treatment for coronavirus may already exist in the blood of patients who were once infected. Blood plasma from those who have recovered can be a rich source of antibodies. Those are the proteins that help the immune system attack the virus. It's actually a century-old treatment that could save lives. Here's our Dr. John LaPook.
5: Julie Thaler has recovered from COVID-19. And her blood may be a lifesaver for others.
2: I kind of walk around feeling like Superwoman a little bit. I'm hoping that I can help people.
5: She feels like a superhero because her blood likely contains antibodies, infection-fighting proteins made by her immune system. Dr. Nicole Bouvier and her colleagues at Mount Sinai in New York have developed a test to detect those antibodies to coronavirus in the blood of recovering patients.
2: In general, people are probably going to
3: have highest antibody levels at like three to four weeks, after they first got sick.
5: The FDA has given them permission to take these antibodies, which the immune system makes in order to attack the virus, and transfuse them into somebody hospitalized with COVID-19. Why do you think this might work?
3: We have some idea, partially from the 1918 influenza pandemic, taking blood from one person and giving it to another actually may improve outcomes.
5: The antibody test is important for another reason identifying people who likely have immunity to the coronavirus infection and therefore could consider returning to work.
3: It would be nice to know which anesthesiologists already have antibodies so we could prioritize them to do the breathing tubes in COVID patients.
5: Antibody testing would also help answer an important question. How many people have been infected without knowing it? Dr. John LaPook, CBS News, New York.
2: And now we want to share a remarkable story of survival. You'll recall one of the first major outbreaks in the U.S. was inside a nursing home near Seattle. At least 39 people died at the Life Care Center. Jonathan Vigliotti reports now about a resilient woman who, despite a dire prognosis, beat the odds.
1: Geneva Wood has lived a long and feisty life. The 90-year-old mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother has witnessed wars and recessions, but nearly died from coronavirus.
3: I didn't want to eat. I didn't eat from Monday till Friday.
1: That must have been very scary for you, that moment when you found out your mother was positive.
2: Yeah, yeah. you just kind of think it's a death sentence with her age.
1: Doctors said Geneva was not going to make it. The next day, we were in there saying goodbyes. What were the words that you shared, if, if you don't mind sharing that with us? You know, it's okay. You've been you fought a hard battle.
3: I knew that I was leaving them, but I was leaving them with peace and that I wanted them to know that I loved them and enjoyed
1: them. But she says prayer and what her children gave her in this cup helped.
3: Well, <laughs> potato soup, I... You know, all my life, every time I got sick, all I wanted was potato soup.
1: She says she was only one bowl of potato soup away from this story being an obituary. She's now back home in a place she calls heaven on earth.
3: And it's super great to be able to reach out and touch my kids (laughs) and give them a
2: hug or give them a
3: kick.
1: Jonathan Vigliotti, CBS News, Los Angeles.
2: We need some of those stories tonight. Tonight, Boris Johnson, the British prime minister, is the first major world leader to test positive for the coronavirus. Johnson on Twitter said his symptoms are mild, slight fever and a cough, but he's working from home and steering clear of his fiancé, who is pregnant. In London, a city on lockdown, people are going to their windows to cheer for health care workers who are on the front lines. Now to Morristown, New Jersey, you could call it a sign of the times. A nurse named Allison Swenson snapped this photo of a man with tears in his eyes, keeping his distance, while holding up a sign thanking the hospital workers who saved his life. Swenson says this moment reminded her why she became a nurse. And on that note, thank you to our nurses, thank you to our doctors, and thank you to all of our health care providers. Steve Hartman's been busy this week, like many of you, teaching and working from home. And there's homework. Here's tonight's On the Road.
8: But here the sign says, Kindness 101 will begin short. It wasn't exactly the most polished production. Hey everybody. This week, with the help of my God-given teaching assistants... This isn't a TV studio, right? ...I held an online class in kindness. Try that word. What is that
7: altruism, word? Altruism, I don't know.
8: Okay, looks like altruism. But despite the low budget... We had high turnout. Tens of thousands of kids from across the country tuned in. One of the things we talked about in class was heroism and how heroes today are wearing all different kinds of uniforms. Their assignment for the week was to pick one of these new heroes and thank them in any way they could.
0: Thank you for working.
8: Some kids went straight to the phone to thank the pharmacists
0: an day. and
8: the fire chiefs nice. and the workers in nursing homes. Especially with coronavirus going around. Others use sidewalk chalk to thank their mail carriers, FedEx, and UPS drivers, while still other children, of all ages, I might add, broke out markers and crayons to write thank-you notes to the people they now look up to most.
3: I was thinking, who should I give it to? Because there's so many heroes here today. Yeah. And I decided on the truck driver.
8: Nine-year-old Tyler Carr taped his note to a loading dock at a Kroger in Arlington, Texas. It read in part, I appreciate that you're still going out and driving your truck because all of us are sitting on our butts watching TV and eating Cheetos. Bailey Kilman of Cooper City, Florida chose to thank her sanitation worker. Using good social distancing, she handed her note to Remy Felizor.
3: Whew, man, she made my day. I was emotional.
8: Remy says he's not used to people thanking him for his service.
4: I can't even forget about that moment.
8: Really? Yes, sir. It was all A-plus work. Thank you so much. Which is why my thank you goes to all the students who sat through and graduated. Kindness 101. Because you know there are better things on TV. (laughs) (laughs) You're being kind by not saying anything. (laughs) You learned your lesson.
3: (laughs) Yes, I guess I did.
8: (laughs) Steve Hartman, at home in Catskill, New York. That's
2: great. We're all trying to learn something during this coronavirus case crisis. Just saying thank you means so much. Next week on the CBS Evening News, when one act of gratitude leads to another, how a community honored school custodians suddenly on the front lines fighting the virus. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. And that is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in Washington. Stay safe this weekend. And don't forget to thank all of our heroes. We'll see you back here on Monday. Good night.
0: If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music.